0: Welcome to Making, a podcast for makers. I'm excited to share with you some incredible people I've had the opportunity to talk to in this community we love so much. From knitters and quilters to builders and painters, here's where you get to listen to a little part of their making journey. I want to thank our sponsors for this week's episode. The Woolly Thistle brings you favorite yarns from across the pond and makes them easily accessible in North America. At thewoollythistle.com, you will find the best of British yarn, such as Blacker Yarns, West Yorkshire Spinners, The Knitting Goddess, and Jameson and & Smith, to name a few. You will also find yarns from Scandinavia, including Plutolopi, Roma, and Tuco Wool. At the Woolly Thistle, they encourage woolly wanderlust, and they share information from where the wool was grown and milled. Specializing in finding yarn made at the source, whether that be on the wild Scottish islands or in the Devon countryside or in the mountains of Wales, They'll find it and share it with you. With excellent customer service and beautiful yarns and books to peruse, you will love shopping at thewoollythistle.com. And if you make a purchase before March 31st, use the code MAKINGZINE for 10% off of your order. Let the Woolly Thistle do the international shipping so you don't have to. Make sure to follow along on Instagram at thewoollythistle.com. Anna Graham has her hands in a lot of sewing goodness these days, and if you're a making magazine reader, you may be familiar with her work, from petal pouches and totes to wallets and her newest amazing project in color, The Making Backpack. Anna's ambition and passion is evident as she tells her maker's journey, one I'm sure many of you will be able to relate to. We're so inspired by her approach to making and hope you will be too. You can find Anna at noodle-head.com and on Instagram at noodlehead531. And with that, here's Anna. Yeah, it started when I was
1: a kid um, with my mom and um, we would sew together and it would be mostly her doing the important parts and me jumping in and messing things up and then having her um, step in and and fix the situations. And um, we sewed garments, that was the thing we did. you know, we had our pinking shears and kneeling down the floor, pinning our patterns to the fabric, and um, that was just how you did it. Um, I don't remember her being there. There was no like rules, really. I, I think a lot of people maybe get started out with an onslaught of rules of this is what you do and this is what you don't do, but I think she was definitely more of like a, a hands-off, let me do what I wanted to do and wasn't critical in any way of of how things would turn out. And I mean, of course, I can look back now and think, gosh, that was amazing to have that, you know, um, my mom gave me that, you know, as a gift, really, Um, because it it totally could have gone the other way. But um, so, yeah, it was that creative freedom that she kind of instilled in me. and, And I would say that's a blessing. And so that's kind of where my first taste of sewing came in. Um, But we had, of course, Homec, and I made a backpack (laughs) in Homec in in high school, in the beginning of high school. And um, also there was Girl Scouts. Um, It was uh, just another one of those things that you did, and um, we made vests, all our whole troop made vests. And I'm... Pretty, pretty impressed with our troop leaders for, um, you know, guiding our group of, you know, silly fifth and sixth graders to make um, something like that. So, um, But in high school, didn't do a whole lot of, of art and craft stuff. Um, I do remember making a few gift things here and there. There was always something creative going on. Um, I did a lot of painting. I was always interested in art. Um, So there was always art classes being taken, and um, I remember painting being one of my favorite things in high school. Um, And then when I got to college, um, I started out as an archaeology major, and I kind of was a pie-in-the-sky kind of person at the time, I think, and thought, well, I'll just pick whatever I want, whatever sounds interesting. So I think archaeology sounded totally interesting. And I went to University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, and uh, they're one of the only colleges that offers archaeology as a major. And uh, that's kind of where I got that idea. <laughs> I didn't really remember saying, like, I don't want to do archaeology, except that I, in the back of my mind, I always thought, well, if I ever did decide to, you know, seek out a career in archaeology, it would be probably something I'd have to move around for Um something I would maybe not necessarily be able to have a, a family with. And um, it was it was just a choice of thinking about, well, could I get a job anywhere? Probably not. It would probably be a little bit more difficult to jump in and um, just get a job anywhere. So I, it was more of a practicality thing <laughs> where I'm like, art, I can probably do graphic design. It sounds interesting. and um, And that's what I did it just seemed to fit. It was, I remember driving in the car with my, now my husband, then boyfriend and saying like, art, that is the thing I need to study. Like, I feel like that is the degree I could really, you know, hopefully transform into something that would make me happy and, um, feel good about what I'm doing. So, um, majored in art, did a lot of painting and printmaking. Um, a little bit of sewing, nothing in school, but I did, you know, sew a few things here and there for, for fun. And so that's kind of where it led to in college. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my firstborn, Natalie, um, that I picked sewing back up again. Um, it was I was pregnant with her, and of course, being a mother, uh, the nesting instinct kicked in, and I just wanted to make everything <laughs> for her and i um went to you know joanne fabrics with my mom and we picked out a crib bedding pattern which seems ridiculous now (laughs) because it's mostly simple squares (laughs) but we picked up the pattern and the fabric and it was hideous and um but i made it i made her uh, all the crib stuff and i i finished it as i was in labor i didn't know i was in labor at the time But um, I obviously would have been doing something more fun. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's uh, where that went. And so I actually, after that, didn't didn't stop sewing. Um, And it just became more intense um, when I started my blog. Um, I had been sewing up until that point and then finally decided that after reading a few other blogs that it, it would be a great Um, opportunity to like keep track of what I've done and that's kind of where it where it started hasn't stopped (laughs) Um, I definitely think it's tied through to my kids Um, we have always I think back to like when they were super tiny that's how we connected is through creative work and art and being messy and um, just trying out different things and um, I've never been the mom to feel anxious about getting things dirty or or messed up. Um, I think as far as that goes, I I was lucky that I could bring creativity to them and um, not have any um, anything holding back.
0: So you live in the Midwest. Uh, did you grow up in the Midwest?
1: Yeah, I grew up in La Crescent, Minnesota, which is. The Apple capital of
0: Minnesota. <laughs> Just <laughs>
1: thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> no, it, I was uh, Little Miss Apple back in the day when I was, I think I was six years old. And um, it's only about a 15-minute drive from where I live now. Um, so, yeah, born and raised right here in the area. And I left for a little bit and then really felt this, like, strong pull that I needed to come back here. Um, the area we live in is not your typical Uh, Wisconsin area I think when maybe people think of Wisconsin they think of farm and you know maybe low rolling hills but we live in the river valley the Mississippi river is just a 10 minute drive and um, so there's actually seven rivers in our region and these huge bluffs that um, I don't know they're kind of like fjords in Norway they're said to be similar to that not that I've been to Norway but someday uh, but the area is just, yeah, amazing outdoor recreation. And I definitely feel that it's influenced every every bit of who I am and, and my work. We live in a small house. It's a three-bedroom home. And my business takes up a third of it. And it just got to the point where nothing made sense anymore. And um, we had been trying super hard to try and figure out this puzzle that is my business and our home and family, and nothing quite seemed to fit. We had talked about building a house, building a garage with the studio, building um, building out our basement so that I could move my things down there. And we did that, um, but of course outgrew that part too. Um, and we finally were like, we need to find a space that's separate, and the only way we're going to do that is to buy a building in our downtown area, and which is just a few blocks from our house. Um, it's the only place that really made sense um, for, for me to move into. Uh, it's just a, a good location for us. And so the next piece of that puzzle was actually finding something that was going to be for sale. And I thought it was going to take much, much longer than it did. And we were in negotiations with another building, um, another couple owners um, trying to buy a building that wasn't for sale. And um, that ended up not panning out, which really worked in our favor. Um, But then once that kind of fell through, we were talking to another business owner downtown and they had mentioned that the building next door was going to be up for auction at a sheriff's sale and it just happened to be the perfect timing for us the perfect situation and um after a lot of questioning and and thoughts and um really weighing out all the options uh we bid on the building and were the successful bidders and and it was ours so yeah so it was a long kind of journey that i didn't know we were really on but that was it was pretty um I don't know, serendipitous, I guess, um, how it worked out. And um, we're just really grateful to have the space. And I just love old things. I mean, I've always been drawn to things that aren't perfect and things that need fixing up. And that's why we moved into our house now. It's It was just an old 1950 house that needed fixing up, and it had the perfect quirky characters that I was looking for, and um, the building is really no different um, in that it's old. Uh, we just uh, removed some of the siding from the facade of the building, and the date on that was 1890, and so it's one of the oldest buildings in our in our town that's still surviving. Um, there was a fire in our downtown area that kind of destroyed everything else after that point a little bit, so yeah we were pretty lucky and so we're, we're just uncovering some of that history and um, gonna restore it to as much um, as we can to keep all the historical details intact which there there isn't a lot left but what there is left we plan on on restoring it and um, yeah just bringing the downtown area uh, a little bit back to life and yeah making making things look good again.
0: <laughs> Tucked away in the heart of Leelanau County, where cherry trees, centennial farms, and wine grapes meet the shores of Lake Michigan, is a knitter's paradise, and that place is wool and honey. Wool and honey's focus is on thoughtful companies who add their own stories to our little spot in the world, brands that highlight fibers that mirror the exquisite natural beauty of their area. Michigan fiber artists are paramount, and their selection of locally grown, dyed, spun yarns and fiber is unparalleled. The hive is the center of it all. It's home, home to bees of all ages and ability levels, each adding a little bit of sunshine to a vibrant community. Every day, these tiny workers gather pollen, powdery bits of fluff, and with a little time and effort, transform it into gorgeous golden nectar. How similar we knitters are to the bee, taking nothing more than two sticks and a string, we create warmth and comfort fabric to clothe and decorate our bodies. Make sure to visit woolandhoney.com as new and favorite yarns arrive, including Kelbourne Woolens, Yoth, Brooklyn Tweed, and new colorways from the Plucky Knitter. And visit in person to view their amazing selection of yarns and other wooly goods. Follow along on Instagram at WoolandHoney. I started out sewing um, for
1: my blog. I, I sewed anything and everything, and I think um, over time, it kind of just, I kept coming back to bags and totes and baskets and things that hold other things. Um, I really love uh, sewing things that have a purpose, something that you can use. And um, it's not just for display, but it's also, you know, a piece of art at the same time, something that you can't find in a store that. Um, Kind of you can make, and that it speaks to who you are as a person. And um, so, yeah, I I just am drawn to that. I love things that that function. I love zippers, and I love being able to use the things that I make. I'm always looking for something that's a little different. Um, I I like fabrics and working with materials that are going to be durable and. I find that a lot of times when, if you use quilting cottons for a bag, it it just doesn't hold up as as the outside of a bag very well. Um, So I'm always drawn to trying different materials that are going to last and be durable, and um, it's just something that I also, I think as a designer, I'm curious about, so I want to try, and um, I don't want to hold myself back from designing something because I'm afraid to work with a certain material or I'm afraid to do a certain technique. I mean, I was that person years ago. I was scared just like anybody else the first few times trying something new like rivets or doing in adjustable strap or grommets, um, snaps even. it's There's so many things that, you know, you look at maybe a, a bag in the store or wallet and... You're, it's just what it is. It's it's there, but when you get to the point where you're making it yourself, and then it kind of dawns on you that oh, well, there's all these components, and um, it is intimidating to like cut a hole into your bag that you just finished making, and it looks amazing, and you don't want to mess it up, but um, it's just part of the process. And I always say that if you're scared about using something like that, is just to try it on scrap material and just try it out. I think hands on you're gonna learn much more than reading a thousand tutorials or looking at different people's suggestions of how you should do things. I think it's definitely a a, a process that you have to get a feel for. It's not just something that um, you can read about and then do. Um, so I think it's just more of being curious and exploring the different materials more than anything for me and I hope that. It also helps others that are, you know, intimidated to try something that they'll give it a try too, because um, nobody starts off as an expert. And I think the more that you can just set aside your fears, um, the more options you're going to have. And um, I think the more proud of what you make uh, that you'll be. Um, the way I start designing is. I think I'm the opposite of a lot of people where I I start with like the super basicness of it and and then add the details from there. So I think that allows me to explore different variations that maybe I wouldn't have come across otherwise if I had started with a super complex design and had to strip it down to something, you know, less less complex. So yeah, I think it's it, it's a it's a fun way to to work through a project when i was designing the backpack for color i was in this kick of like backpack world (laughs) just the the convenience of a backpack itself is amazing but i love thinking about um how how something can be worn and um i just was really curious about the, the color palette that carrie had chosen it was it was interesting to to begin a project with a color in mind. And that really was probably the basis of, of the design and how it started and evolved. Um, Just thinking about how a a nice um, bold color would affect the design of the backpack. And um, I think um, color is a huge part of sewing. Um, I think it's, even before I look at the design of a a fabric, if it's uh a printed pattern, I look at the color first and it's it's not um it's like the stepping stone of any fabric i think um so that's that's where I always start um when I'm looking to begin a new project, I look at color and I'm always drawn to. <laughs> like the chambrays and denims. Um, I love anything that has texture and a little variance in color is always, um, something that's more interesting than a a solid, um, to me. And, um, yeah, so I'm always kind of drawn to the more muted, um, colors, but it changes through the seasons. I, I think if I look back through like my Instagram, I can see it, but at the time I don't see it. It's just something I'm drawn to without actually consciously thinking of it which I suppose is good in a way but um yeah I'm I'm just kind of follow what I'm drawn to and a lot of it is based on on the seasons and like right now when everything is brown outside uh, I'm drawn to green like I'm always thinking green in the summer and I don't know if that translates into my sewing but it definitely is in my mind (laughs) so yeah that's That's how color is for me.
0: As you've built Noodlehead, you know, which obviously started as an idea and was backed by passion, how did that as a business for you develop?
1: When I first started my blog, which is actually the launching point of the business, um, I did not think of it as a business. And um, it was not even a few years into designing patterns and selling them that I really even realized myself that I had a business I didn't talk to anybody about it other than people in the sewing community, so it wasn't really real um, you know my husband knew and he was supportive, but it wasn't it wasn't like i'm starting my business now <laughs> it was just definitely more organic um, than that and I really feel like um when I wrote my book that was in 2014 with the majority of 2014, I spent writing my book. Um, it was a, a long time in planning. Um, I had spoken to Suzanne Woods, my editor for a few years before we actually signed a contract and, um, it kind of just was a, a really slow process in the beginning. And, um, once the contract was signed, it was a very intense period of really um, nose to the grindstone type work, and I I totally get into that type of of thing. And I at the time it was excruciating, but um, it really solidified things for me. Um, the book is totally an exploration of anything that interested me at the time and it was it was something I looking back now I probably wouldn't try and attempt again but uh, there's garments um, two garments in the book and bags and accessories and quilts and home decor stuff I even built a bench which I think is pretty cool I mean it was just a it was a really a designed free-for-all for me it was just a pass to like you get to go do this and and um you can do whatever you want which is a really pretty cool get, you know opportunity if you think about it so i think that's where it really more intensely um solidified everything for me um and as much as i say that it was such a, a struggle it was really difficult but i think i i look back now and i i learned so much about myself and my design process. And, um, I definitely grew during that time period. Um, even though it was extremely challenging, it was, uh, really ended up being a turning point for me in my business. And it just, uh, it really solidified how I work through, um, different business decisions now. And, um, how I explored, uh, new designs.
0: So obviously you sew. <laughs> what other types of making come into your life? Well, I taught myself
1: to knit in 2013, um, after seeing my friend, um, Shannon, she, um, <laughs> I think she tries to, um, you know, lure all us sewists to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it worked for me in my case. And, um, I really, I admire knitting so much. It was not something that I ever grew up with. Um, My mom crocheted, but I don't remember her doing that. But it was, it's just something so different than sewing that I think that's what really draws me to it. Um, Amongst it being like squishy and amazing, you know, it's totally just a different thing um, to play with um, for me. So I'm knitting and then I, i I want to get better at it so I'm trying to push myself a little harder but um it's something I have to do you know in my free time and and um so I'm, I'm trying and um I think just just the playing with um home decor basically design home design just uh, especially with the the building the studio it's um that that type of thing is fun for me to to look at as a whole and then kind of pick apart the different, um, things that go into it. My, my grandma, um, she passed away last February, but she was a hundred percent Norwegian and she, I, I definitely feel a a bond with her, um, in that way. And she would always compliment me on my, um, furniture choices and their, their clean lines. And it was, it was kind of fun. She was 99 and um she it was fun to have that kind of bond over over style that we did. So um there's so much that the future holds that i i think i can only really think about it when i look back at the past and see how far things have developed for me as um in my designs and and my style and it's just exciting to think about, well, what will the future bring? And I try not to um, push myself too far out in advance as far as that goes. But I, I think it's um, full of potential that it can really only be discovered when, when it's ready.
0: The biggest of thanks to everyone involved in this week's episode. The Woolly Thistle, Wool & Honey, Anna Graham, and our producer, Alice Anderson. This week's giveaway is sponsored by the Woolly Thistle, and they're giving away a $50 gift card to their shop full of British and other European yarns. To enter this giveaway, leave a comment on today's episode's blog post at makingzine.com. And if you have yet to subscribe for 2018, there's still plenty of time to do so before our first issue, Number 5, Color begins shipping in April. Go to makingzine.com to subscribe for both issues, color and black and white. You'll also find a new selection of yarns, including moke and bichy bouche, along with project kits, notions, and books. I hope you'll join me each week as we talk and learn from more fascinating makers. For podcast notes and transcription, visit makingzine.com. If you're interested in being a part of this podcast as an episode or giveaway sponsor, shoot us an email at ashley@makingzine.com. Have a wonderful week.